This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frame. Hey mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hun, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a vision center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. And welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Mitchell Porter. This is our preview episode of Fulham's match at Deepdale against Preston North End. Mitchell happens to be a huge Preston North End supporter, so he's on to help us with this preview. He's wearing his shirt and everything, so this should be fun. I look forward to talking to Mitchell all about Preston North End. At the end of the show, we'll make our predictions. Mitchell, before we get going, I want to welcome you to the show. And we just had Thanksgiving dinner the day before. Mitchell happens to be the boyfriend of my daughter, Samantha. Just so happens, happens to be a Preston North End supporter. Thank you, Mitchell, for joining me today. Talk about this match between our clubs. It's an honor to be on Cottage Talk with you. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see this match. I think that we're in a great swing of form, and I think it will be a, a battle for the ages between uh, Preston and Fulham. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. I look forward to this match tomorrow. Fulham are dealing with several players that need to be assessed beforehand because of a virus going through the club. That could affect what happens tomorrow. We shall see. We won't know until probably about an hour before the match when we get out the starting 11, then we'll know. But, Mitch, before we really get into talking about Preston North End, I do want to mention this because uh, this actually surprised me yesterday. And I want to talk a little bit about Savisa Jokanovic because Savisa, I never wanted to get sacked by foam. It was actually – I was disappointed when 
they sacked him and brought in Claudio Ranieri, and uh, it didn't work out well with Ranieri. But I'm a huge fan of Savisa. I don't think he was given enough time at Sheffield United. It took him more than half a season to really get his own team together to really go forward with foam. It took him time. Sheffield United did not have the patience that I think that they needed. And I think they made a huge mistake here. And Mitch, you and I were talking about this before the show, and uh, this happens a great deal. I think many owners, management, they get really into wanting to make a change. The supporters, some want to make a change. They think that's the be-all to end-all. Sometimes you need patience, Mitch. This is a situation where I think a club made a mistake because Savisa has shown that it does take him time to put his system in place and have the right players. He did not have his own players yet, Mitch. And I think that's unfortunate. Again, uh, I want to get quickly your thoughts on a manager like Savisa getting sacked and we're only in the end of November. Uh, I think it's, one, like you said, a horrible mistake by Sheffield United. Yeah, you can see why they did it after only being halfway through the season. They're sitting in 16th. You know, they lost more games than they've won. But that's usually what happens when you sack a longtime manager and you bring in a, a brand new manager to the squad. Um, obviously, Chris Wilder left after being relegated last season. And they brought in Slavisa Jukanovic, uh, the former um, FK Partizan Youth Academy graduate Chelsea player uh, who also played with uh, Deportivo La Coruña. Um, he was never given the amount of time that he really needed to show that he can manage a team. Like recently they've turned around. They've got some good results on the bounce. They're looking positive. You know, they, they seem like a football team that's well run, but I think the leash was just way too short on Jokanovic. I totally agree. And uh, like I said, it really disappointed me when I saw the news and it's funny because this YouTube channel, Chef United Way, did a show a couple weeks ago and they were asking the question about Savisa's future and to the host, the credit of them, they were all for Savisa. They did not want Savisa to go. And then basically two weeks later, the uh, ownership of Sheffield United parts ways. And I, I think it's a mistake, but you know what? We'll see if they uh, learn to regret it. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Sheffield United. I wish the best to, Savisa Jokanovic, I'm a huge fan. All right, Mitch, mm -hmm. let's get into talking about Preston North End. So I want to get your thoughts on them in general, but tell everyone, because I think everyone's story is interesting, how they became a supporter of their club. How did you become a supporter of Preston North End? So last night, as I told you, uh, over Thanksgiving dinner, it's a funny story how I became a diehard fan of the Lily Whites. So basically, when I was younger, I was uh, in a youth soccer tournament and my team ended up winning the tournament. And so my coach took us out to a, a sports restaurant near where we won the championship. And he asked one of the waitresses to put on a local uh, soccer game and or a football game. Yeah. And uh, and the only one that was on was the League One play uh, playoff final between Preston North End and Swindon Town. Now, this was one of the very first uh soccer matches, football matches that I've watched in my 
like collective memory. And um, I said, whoever wins this match basically is who I'm going to support. And at the time, at the time, I didn't know like what the divisions were. I didn't know how it actually worked. But Jermaine Beckford scored a hat trick. I fell in love with him. Preston won four nil. And since that day, I bleed blue and white now. Okay, excellent. Well, that's, you know, again, everyone has their own journey. Everyone has their own story. And I'm glad that you shared that with our audience here. And uh, besides when you play full and best of luck, okay? Mm-hmm. You know what? Well, even when you play full, I, I always wish best of luck to our guest on Cottage Talk. But let's get to it, my friend. Let's talk about the season so far for Preston North End. It's been up and down. We'll talk a little bit about two key victories in just a second. But just overall, give me your thoughts on the season. I mean, I didn't really have any expectations going into the season. We've been the complete definition of a mid-table team. Like, we finished 16th, 13th, 14th. And currently we sit 14th now, six wins, six draws, and seven losses. Uh, It's kind of what I expected. We don't have the squad to get promoted or fight promotion, but we don't have a lack of quality necessarily to fear promotion going into his season. So I expected mid-table mediocrity, and that's exactly what I got. Okay. All right. Excellent. Okay. But you know what? You have had two really excellent victories. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about them. And I'm curious if you see any common ground or are they completely different. Huge victory. And I have to tell you, when Preston North End beat Bournemouth, that put a huge smile on my face. For yeah. several reasons, I, we could talk about Scott Parker. I could talk about Scott Parker all day, but just in general, because of where they are in the table, you know, it actually helped Fulham. Middlesbrough is a little bit different, and I watched the highlights on that. And again, full credit to Preston North End for hanging in there and finding a way to win. So let's talk about those two victories. Well, uh, the bigger of the two was against Bournemouth, and this was an absolute shock victory. I don't think anyone had us winning against Bournemouth. And, uh, you know, we went into the game trying to, I wouldn't say trying to get one up on Ben Pearson who left us last year uh, for Bournemouth, but you know, all the fans were trying to get one on Ben Pearson and it's safe to say we did. He was, uh, basically the main reason why we scored the two goals against them. He made two (laughs) mistakes. And so it kind of felt good nipping Karma. the player Karma. that, uh, that yeah. left us. But it was a really big game, really big turning point. At that point, we were we were kind of in a relegate. Well, I shouldn't say dogfight because it was only like eight games in the season, but right. we were towards the bottom of the table. We weren't looking good. You know, I have my own opinions on Frankie McAvoy, our, our coach, but we'll, we'll get into that later. Look at um, that. Uh, so that game was huge, not only for team morale, but just – overall confidence in our play and then just last week we played Middlesbrough and uh, we were we did not look like we were going to get anything from that game we went down pretty early in the game and then it just seemed like all of the life in us got sucked out now rolling around the 70th minute Chet Evans comes on like a few minutes earlier and he hasn't played all season due to a foot injury he got in uh, preseason and what does he Come and do. He wins a header and puts it in the back of the net and ties up the game for us. And at that point, I'm like, okay, 
all right. You know, I never really had high expectations or thoughts on Chet Evans. I mean, maybe it's football manager bias, but whenever I played him in football manager, he never really did good for me. So I just didn't like him. But, you know, his header, uh, it was a very good whipped ball in. And he got a big old piece on it, put it in the net. And uh, and then we got a second one a few minutes later, thanks to uh, Emil Reese Jacobson, our, our club uh, record transfer. Yep. Uh, he, beautiful strike, slotted at home. 2-1 and uh funny story I almost passed out when that goal went in because <laughs> at the first goal I didn't expect it to go in and then when we scored the second I was in disbelief I just I didn't think we were going to get anything and we ended up getting three points from it now there are a bunch of similarities from both of the games so the way we won the Bournemouth game is we stayed defensively stout like we didn't allow many chances and when Asked upon Daniel Iverson, who's on loan from Leicester City. Um, he made some great saves. He made some great decisions, commanding the back, along with our captain, Alan Brown, just basically just running the whole team and making sure everything was in perfect order. Uh, the only difference between Bournemouth and Middlesbrough is that against Middlesbrough, we didn't start with the normal 3-4-1-2 that we like to play. We started more like a 3-4-3 to a hybrid 4-3-3. It shifted wow. between the beginning of the game. And that's one again, one of the bigger reasons why I don't like Frankie McAvoy. He tries mess, messing with something that's been working, but once he made the change, he brought in the second striker. That's when it clicked for us, and we scored two goals and we got three points. Uh, yeah, it's just it's not like a whole team effort. We've just had some outstanding individual efforts put in, and that's the problem that I see with. Preston in these games like they don't play together they try and one-up each other sometimes okay. it works sometimes it doesn't but okay. on those two days it worked sorry okay. no that that's great so for you it's interesting because you are describing a team say maybe a two a couple seasons ago from Fulham where it was a bunch of individuals coming up with moments of brilliance rather than a team goal or a team togetherness you know and again, just playing together as a unit, maybe some of that goes back to now talking about your manager changing the formation. So you're not a big fan of this. You would rather him go with one formation and just stick with it. So is that basically where you're going on your manager? Well, besides the formation aspect, like, yeah, I, I don't believe that if something's working, you should mess with it. Like we've been in a good run of form using the three, four, one, two, We've looked very defensively good. We seem great on the counter. Yeah, our strikers can't put the ball in the net, but that's besides the point. Um, Frankie just, he seems to have no leadership. He can't guide the players correctly. You know, he came in when we sacked our previously previous manager, and it started out well. We got a win in a derby against Blackburn, but that was really the only high point of last year towards the end of the season because um, towards the end of the COVID season, we um, we were fighting for a promo- uh, promotion playoff place, and we ended up losing three of our last five games thanks to Frankie messing with the formation, even though he had a formation that really worked. And it, he's doing it again. We were on a good streak, and luckily when he changed it because he knew he made a mistake, it worked. And now I, I fully believe that Frankie should be sacked. I think there's wow. – I think there's so many better managers like the newly uh, sacked uh, 
Yo, uh, Jokanovic. You know, I think he'd be, I think he'd be a good manager for us. But you know, unless Frankie pulls something out of thin air, then I fully believe he should be sacked. And along with the ownership of the the club, I think, <laughs> I think there should get. I think we should just get a whole new backroom staff because our chairman doesn't care about the team. He, okay. Oh, well, I, I'm going yeah, right there right now. Go ahead. He doesn't care about the team. He, uh, even though Emil Reese is our club record transfer, and he's been amazing for us so far. Um, this year alone, he has eight goals and two assists through, uh, I think, 17 games played for us. So he's been really good for us. But he seems to spend money on players that don't really make sense. Like, he, the only two good transfers I've seen Craig Hemmings, our uh, CEO slash director of football, make in the past two years was Ben Whiteman and Emil Reese. Everyone else has seemed to be lackluster or, you know, doesn't even fit with the system, which in my opinion, and probably a lot of Lily White's supporters, we don't, you, you don't want to see your team spend money on players that, uh, you know, don't fit the system or don't work properly. And right. I don't mean to stab Fulham here, but it kind of happened when you guys got promoted to the Premier League and you spent a hundred million on players that necessarily didn't fit your system. And you can see how that can affect the team for the worse. And I, I really wish that we got a takeover by some billionaire tycoon to send us into the Premier League. But, you know, I just I'll be happy with a change of ownership, a change of leadership, change of management, change of everything, basically. Just keep the players, make them happy, make them play well. And, you know, you'll see a lot of good results and good, uh, good reactions from the fans, as I'll put it. Well, very interesting that you talk about Fulham spending a couple seasons ago. The $100 million is something that I've heard over and over again. And again, it happened, and um, it's fair by you to bring that up. I will say that the spending this season by Fulham, it's uh, pretty well known that Marco Silva had a lot of input, and not every coach has had the input that Silva has. There seems to be a little bit of a change with how Fulham – did their business this window, which is a positive. But I understand where you're going on that when it comes to if you don't have the management, if you don't have the ownership and the players and the coach all on the same page, they're not all working together, it's not going to work. It's not going to get you where you want to be. So I understand where you're going on that, Mitch. Very good points by you. Okay. So we talked about we talked about the manager. Let's talk about just in general terms as, as we get ready to really focus on the match. Be honest with me. Where are your strengths and weaknesses? Now, weaknesses, there's a lot. Uh, there seems to be, as I said earlier, a lack of leadership besides Alan Brown and Patrick Bauer. Um, Alan Brown is the captain of the team. He's He keeps everyone in shape. He keeps everyone trugging along. Patrick Bauer keeps the defense nice and compact and but besides that you know not many players will take one on their chest or take a bullet for their teammate like they don't seem to I want to say they don't have good relations with each other but on the pitch it definitely doesn't seem like they have a connection and so we have a leadership problem I believe that we also have a defensive problem now I know I was praising the defensive like power of the team like we defend very well it's our attack that's the problem but I think like going along with like how Frankie McAvoy runs the team I think one of his weaknesses is that he tries to play a defensive system when he doesn't know how to 
play a defensive system. <laughs> and okay. sitting, sitting seven behind the ball at almost every time is not going to win you a game unless you actually know how to play defensive football. And uh, that's one of our huge weaknesses, like leadership and just how like the formation works. Like it, it can work at times. It's very good when it works, but it's very, very bad when it doesn't. One of our key strengths is, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. One of go our ahead. key strengths along uh, in the formation is yep. that it really allows us to pass very well openly without like trouble like our defenders can get it to our midfielders who can get it to our attackers it's all very interconnected like we have very good passers in defense in the midfield especially alan brown our captain he can ping balls all day as he wants another strength that i believe is in between the sticks daniel iverson has been i wouldn't say he's been amazing but he's done a lot better than i thought he would being on loan from leicester city um I know 25 goals allowed in 19 games doesn't sound that great, but when he's saving like 66% of his shots, so every every two out of three shots he's saving, and, you know, he makes some insane saves. He makes like really influential saves. So I think Daniel Iverson between the posts gets a lot more uh, hate than he should because sometimes our defense just falls flat and there's nothing Iverson can do. But when he's – Called upon, I would say 80% of the time he shows up and he makes a great save. Okay, excellent. All right. Now, getting back to talking about the formation, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was listening to the Full Mish podcast and Jack Collins, who does a great job analyzing these matches and these teams, was focusing on Brown in the formation and said that he could be key for you of really stopping our creativity with Jean-Michael Serri. Jean-Michael Serri is, is really the creative force for Fulham. So talk a little bit more about how Brown fits into the system and how it works. Now, every time I've watched Preston North, and I've watched a good amount, granted they're highlights, it looks like the transition from defense to midfield to going up front is very quick and it flows very well. But I want to get your thoughts on how the formation works and especially how Brown is vital to that. Well, thank you for asking me about that. Uh, so currently, Frankie McAvoy likes to employ this 3-4-1-2 uh, formation that uh, tries to limit uh, chances against and tries to use the counterattack to its advantage. Now, right. the formation, in essence, becomes a 5-2-3 in defense where usually Tom – Tom Barkhausen and Joshua Earl, they drop back to be uh, create a flat back five, try and defend, and then they push up with the wingers and Alan Brown and sometimes Alistair McCann and Alan Brown to help Jacobson or Emil Reese, as most people know him as, and Sean McGuire or Chet Evans as in last game. And it's a very good system when deployed correctly, but it can be caught out very easily with long balls over the top because – Andrew Hughes is not a fast defender. Patrick Bauer is moderate at best. The only quick one we really have is Sepp Vandenberg, who I love. I love Sepp Vandenberg. He's awesome. On loan from Liverpool, unfortunately. Uh, but he he saves Preston a lot more than a lot of people think he does. And, you know, it's a good idea for a formation. I like the idea. I just 
don't think it has the attacking qualities needed to uh, score goals in the championship as that has been evident. We've only scored 21 goals in right. uh, eight, uh, nine, 19 games, so we're scoring under a goal a game, which, I mean, if you can't score, at least you can defend, but, you know, sometimes we don't know how to defend, so it's kind of... When it works, it works. When it doesn't, it's a catastrophe. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out tomorrow against Fulham. Now, let's get to talking about key players in this match for Preston North. And I'm going to share this uh, comment from a Fulham supporter, Dan Ambrose. Which three PE players are Fulham's biggest threat tomorrow? That is a really good question. Thank you, Dan, for sending that in. Now, uh, obviously, there are two main candidates, and the third one is kind of a toss-up. The number one biggest threat to Fulham is Emil Reese Jacobson. He has been unreal. He was shortlisted. He's been shortlisted for two Player of the Month awards. You know, through 17 games, or uh, through 19 games, sorry, he has eight goals, two assists. You know, he half his shots are on target and when they are on target, they're really good shots. It's not like he's just shooting just to shoot it. He finds the right place to take the shot, tries to find a corner. And, you know, most of the time it's a really good save from the goalie rather than being an easy save and a lousy shot. Now the second key player I believe is going to be the captain, Alan Brown. He is what I like to call the orchestrator or in football terms, the Carolero, the Carolero of the team. He's the shuttle. Okay. He shifts the sides to help with the ball and he tries spews passing to the attackers, to the, uh, uh, the pushing up wingers. I think he's the main man. He controls everything. He's the captain. He's the leader. He basically writes the ship when it's about to sink. And he's the one who, has the most amount of influence and uh, uh, most influence and most effect on the team, whether through his personal play or through how he uh, distributes to the rest of the team. Now, there's not a clear third key player, but if I were to be a betting man, I would say that tomorrow, uh, with the Preston lineup already being released, uh, Ben Whiteman is going to be the third key player. Now, okay. he usually likes to push up when attacking and that's been uh very good for us he has four goals and two assists and uh, throughout the season but he's also a very good defensive player he knows how to stick in a tackle he knows where to stand he knows he knows how to mark the players he should mark he's basically the best way i can put it is like if fabricio colaccini played cdm that's he's such a good defensive mastermind he knows exactly what he's doing and he can help you on offense whenever he's needed. Okay. Excellent stuff. Thank you for all of that, Mitch. All right. Let's now transition. We're going to talk a little bit about foam. So I want to get your thoughts on foam. And then we'll talk about, as we get into this, uh, players that could potentially be playing or might be out. We don't know. But let's talk about just overall your thoughts on foam. I think there's there's a lot to say about foam. You know, you – you have been one of the most dominant teams in the league this year, you know, blowing out opponents left and right. Um, you know, if you could blow out Blackpool next time you play them, that'd be very happy. Very, uh, that'd make me very happy as a, okay. as, as I hate Blackpool and every, they beat us by the way. I know. And I was, you know, I was counting on you guys to beat Blackpool, but you know, you got them next time. I, 
you know, yep. you guys have been a very dominant team. 13 wins in 19 ga- games played with a 33 yep. goal difference. When you want to be very good, you can be very good. But you really – sometimes I believe, because I've watched a few games, I believe that yep. in certain times you lack the hunger and drive to really try and put a, a foothold on the game. You kind of just – it kind of seems like – they just let the game play out instead of trying to strangle the game and dominate it when they know they're the better team. Interesting. Interesting. You know, it's funny that you say that because when I look back at the Coventry loss, which is a very bad loss for Fulham and uh, things went against them, they again did not respond well. And Fulham have not shown yet that they can really on a really I would say any kind of basis come from behind and, and really be a team again, because Fulham are very good front runners, Mitch. We're great as front runners, but they're going to be matches coming up for the rest of the season that they're going to have to come from behind. And they still have to show that. And I want to see that. And I don't know if it's a, a relaxed feeling that they can turn it on at any time. I don't know if it's that, but I understand what you're saying, that sometimes they just need to kill games off. They, they've had that ability, but there are times where I see what you're saying, that maybe they're cruising a little bit, and uh, and then they can get themselves into trouble. I, I see where you're going on that. Okay. All right. All right, Mitch. Let's now really get into looking at this match. Let's, I'll share my thoughts on how I think Fulham can win this match. How does Preston North End win this match? And what your thoughts on that? So I think there's basically two ways we can win this match. Now, as we were talking about earlier, Alan Brown is going to be the main man. If he doesn't play well, the team doesn't play well. Okay. So he needs to be on his A game, even though it's at the Deepdale. And we uh, we us- we play a lot better at home than we do away, actually. Um, at Deepdale, we are four, three, and four wins, uh, three draws, and two losses yep. um, at home. 15 points. It's one of the better records in the championship at home, and it's really become a fortress for us. So I think if we can channel the energy of the fans and Alan Brown can play really well, that's one way we can win the game because we can sometimes intimidate our opponents. I'm not saying we will intimidate Fulham, but there's a good chance we can at Deepdale. Now, the other one is kind of a stretch. I think if we can be amazing defensively, because obviously Alexander Mitrovic, you know, uh, Ivan Cavallero, uh, Bobby Der, Bobby Der Cordova reed There we go. You got it. it. That's a hard one to say. It sometimes yep. takes me a few seconds to get it. But uh, if we can shut down the attack of Fulham by being amazing defensively and catch him on the counterattack once or twice or just get him uneasy, I think that's how we win the game. I don't think okay. we can go in being the better team necessarily, but we can be the more clinical team, and I think that's how we'll win the game. Okay, excellent stuff. And now I'll before I share how I think Fulham can win this match, I am going to mention this because, again, we'll know more tomorrow, but – Several Fulham players are dealing with uh, remnants or could still be dealing with a virus. And those players are Alexander Mitrovic, Tom Kearney, Harry Wilson. These are key players for Fulham. Anthony Robinson. So these are players that 
again, you already mentioned Bobby Decadova Reed. So there are several players here that we won't know until probably tomorrow if they're going to play. The main man, as you know, Mitch, is Mitrovic. If Mitrovic plays, I always like Fulham's chances. He didn't play in this match, and uh, we are hearing that this was not a last-minute decision for him not to play, but his situation happened fairly late. So my hope is that he will be available, but I don't know. And the very interesting from Marco Silva and Fulham in general is that they really don't give their cards away. They don't tell you what's going on. You know that these players are out, but they're not going to give the upper hand to Preston North End. They're not going to basically say rule players out. They don't do that. They yeah. don't do that. So, And I actually appreciate that being a Patriots fan. I appreciate that. It's a little bit of Bill Belichick. You're shaking your head, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. You, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. So that's going to be a factor in all this. But I will say this, like I said in the last match, Fulham, without Mitrovic, still have plenty of talent to beat Preston North End. They still mm-hmm. have the ability and, and, dare I say, should beat Preston North End. They have the better players, but that doesn't mean that they're going to win the match. But I will give you a player to watch out for, Mitch. You talked about Ivan Cavallaro. He's, I believe, still injured. The player you really need to watch is up-and-coming Fabio Carvalho. Watch out for Fabio Carvalho. He's a player that could be going to a huge team. Uh, Major teams in Europe are already looking at him. He's a player to watch, and I think you'll see that tomorrow. I expect him to play. Okay. Now, how Fulham win this match, mattering on on the lineup aside, and we'll talk about that and who plays and who doesn't play, it's basically, for me, controlling the match. And I think it's going to come down to, as you already said, Alan Brown, I'm going to say Jean-Michael Serry. Because Jean-Michael Serry makes Fulham go. If he is dominant in this match and Brown does not get the better of him, I think Fulham have a very good chance to win this match because he controls everything. He is Fulham's orchestrator. So for me, it really is about Jean-Michael Sarri, and I expect him to play a, a vital role in this match. So that's where I'm going on that. Okay. All right. Coming up next to finish the show, I'm going to get Mitch's starting 11 and his prediction, and I'll share mine as well. All right. So going into the game, I've already yep. looked at previous articles uh, that came out earlier today. And it's going to be the same exact lineup again uh, that was against Middlesbrough, just with one change. Chet Evans comes in for the struggling Sean McGuire. Now, personally, I love Sean McGuire. I was going to say, I'm actually a fan of Sean McGuire. So I, love years Sean, ago. I love Sean McGuire. I, I met him when he was actually still playing for Cork City before he got his move to Preston. And so I once again believe it will be the same old, same old 3-4-1-2. Daniel Iverson in between the sticks back three of Sepp Vandenberg, Patrick Bauer, and Andrew Hughes, with a midfield four of Tom Barkhausen, Alistair McCann, uh, Ben Whiteman, and Josh Earl, with uh, the lone attacking mid being Alan Brown, with the two strikers being Chad Evans and high-flying Emil Reese. Okay, excellent stuff. All right, before I go through my starting 11, and then we'll both give our predictions, I want to share this comment from my friend Steve Reynolds in Spain. Mitch, does it make it harder for the manager when he does not know the foam lineup? Yes, 100%. In 
you can see it in any sport. If a manager doesn't know the opposition or like the leader of the team doesn't know the opposition, you're usually going to struggle because you don't know who to look out for, who to, you know, who you know you can like kind of lay off and who you know you have to go really like big on. It, it makes it a lot harder for a team to win a game if they don't know what they're playing or they don't know who they're playing. And I believe that in anything, not even just sports, but in life, if you don't know what's coming up, you're not going to be prepared to deal with anything really. And that's what I think. You know, you're, you're allowed to think whatever you would like, uh, Steve. Thanks for the comment. But, you know, I just think that if you don't know what's coming up, it makes it really hard to change and adapt to it. Okay, excellent stuff. All right. Okay, Mitch, I'm going to go through my starting 11, and then you and I will predict the match. And anyone watching live that wants to share their predictions, feel free to in the comments section. But I'm going to go through my starting 11. This is what I would do. It's not necessarily what Marco Silva would do. And again, I don't know who is going to be available and who's not going to be available. But I'm just going to go with what I think could potentially happen, what I would like to happen. So... It looks like there's a very good chance that Merrick Rodak will be back for this match. So I'm going to have Merrick Rodak goal. I'm going to have Kenny Tete as your right back. I will go with Tosin and Tim Reen as your center backs. And I'm going to go with Joe Bryan instead of Anthony Robinson because I think that Anthony Robinson could be struggling with this virus a little bit. And I think potentially – Better crosser of the ball is Joe Bryan, so I'm going to go in that and obviously direction. A better free kick taker, as we saw in the uh, playoff final a few years ago. Uh, I would have to agree with you on that. <laughs> okay, so as we look at the midfield, this is what's going to be interesting because Harrison Reed was also one of the players who was struggling with the virus. But I am actually going to include him along with Jean-Michael Seri and Fabio Carvalho. Fabio Carvalho will be your 10. On the wings, again, it this might not happen. I'm going to say Harry Wilson and Niskins Cabano. And I'm going to just hope that Alexander Mitrovic is available, and I'll say Mitro up front. If not Mitro, I'm okay with him going with Rodrigo Muniz. So that's what I'm going to go with Mitch. All right, let's get to it, my friend. Let's end with our predictions. I'll get your prediction first. Uh, I'm usually a guy who, you know, tries to look at positive things. And even though it'll be the hardest match of the season uh, so far, and maybe of the season, I do think it's going to end in a 1-1 draw. Okay. I think I think Alan Brown will get the lone goal. He doesn't score many, but I think on a big game like tomorrow, he'll show up and he'll pop one in the back of the net. And, you know, save us a point probably. And I think for Fulham, I believe that his uh, counter, um, John Michael Seri, will actually score for Fulham. So I think it'll be a, a midfield. Wow. A, it'll be a game that's won and lost in the midfield. I totally with, agree, Mitch. With two players who control their team in the midfield making the difference. Okay. Now I'm going to share this with you. I do this on Patriots 4th and 2. I have a co-host called Derek Havens, and when Derek makes a good comment, I say, look at the brain on Derek. Look at the brain on Mitch. Okay, very. I agree with you. I think this will be one lost, or it's going to be a draw in central midfield. I, I think you nailed it, Mitch. Okay, so now it's time for my prediction. Before I do that, I think we have one prediction from a full supporter. This is from 
Wayne, good evening, Russ. It'll be a hard game against Preston, but Fulham will win 3-1. to one. Come on, Fulham. Okay, now, Mitch, my prediction is a little weighted here. What I mean by that is that I don't like making a prediction of a Fulham victory 2-1 to one because I, I, I feel that that's too nervy for me. So I'm going to go with Wayne. I'm going to say 3-1 to one to Fulham. I think Fulham have more than enough to win at detail, but it won't be easy. I have a lot of respect for Preston North End, for their players. I, ha- I have a huge respect for their supporters. I always have. So I am going for 3-1 to one to Fulham. Steve Reynolds is chiming in. Single goal either way. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens, Steve. Very good. All right. Mitch, let's wrap this up. Any final thoughts before we go? And more importantly, did you enjoy this? Yes, 148%. I <laughs> love this every single second of it. You know, when you first told me about coming on your podcast, I was elated at the idea. And, you know, it, it, I think it's gone amazingly. Uh, I I would love to be back on again, hopefully after Preston win tomorrow oh. morning. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, is any more thoughts? Not really. I I think we've covered everything or I've covered everything at least. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think it'll be a great match. I can't wait to wake up and, you know, probably wake up my family when Preston score, but you know, we shall wait. see Mitch. We shall see. I like the cockiness. We shall see. Okay. Before we go, tell everyone how they can follow you on Twitter. You are on Twitter. I am on Twitter. Yes. Uh, so on Twitter, uh, my handle is uh port court, 2004 it's capital p o r t capital c o u r t and then uh, 2004 you can follow me on there i talk about a lot of things you know sometimes it's just nonsensical rambling but you know (laughs) well give mitch a follow even though he's also a denver broncos fan which is not really great for my family but that's for a, a separate yeah yeah okay mitch okay we are diehard patriots fans and (laughs) He is a Broncos fan. That's 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 difficult for us, but we're we're dealing with that, Mitch. We're dealing with that. Okay. Uh, yeah. I do have another comment from my friend Colin Bugler. Going for a full victory. And Mitch will be allowed in your house. Yes, Mitch will be allowed in my house. Okay. Excellent stuff. Okay. Well, listen, we're gonna wrap this up. Mitch, again, thank you so much for doing this with me. It's a pleasure, and I can't wait to be back on again. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. And, and again, Wayne says, I love you guys. Well, thank you, Wayne. Okay. Thank you. Well, that's going to do, do it for this episode of College Talk. For my special guest, Mitch, who is a huge Preston North End supporter. I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening to College Talk. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.